All right, word from our sponsor, Psalm 85, Psalm 85. Father, we thank you and praise you for this morning. We thank you for your goodness, your faithfulness. And Lord, we do ask that you comfort uh, the Watson family, Lord. Uh, we know where, where Pat is at. There's no doubt, according to your word, we know where she's at. She's not worried about 110 degrees anymore. She's no longer in pain, no more suffering. But Lord, the family's here and, and they need to be comforted. And so we just ask for your Holy Spirit, who is the comforter, to comfort them, to strengthen them, to give them that peace that surpasses understanding as they miss her and, and long to hold her or hug her or see her or hear her voice. We will once again, Lord, again, according to your word, as believers, we know we will see her again in that brand new glorified body. So comfort the family this morning, Lord. And Father, for your word this morning, I I pray for the gift of teaching. And Father, that you will be glorified in and through your word this morning. Lord, we all have different needs. There's a lot of emotions maybe going on this morning. There may be some anger, some bitterness, some frustration. So, Lord, help us to to lay that at your throne right now because you are love and you love us. And so, Lord, help us to just appreciate that simple fact that you love us and that you will meet us where we're at and you know exactly what we need. So help us to just lay that at your throne right now and to hear your word that we might grow, that we might mature, that we might be more like Jesus at the end of this day than we are right now. Bless this time, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Now this psalm was probably written when the Israelites had returned from Babylon after being in exile for 70 years for their what? For their disobedience to God's word. For their disobedience to God's word. So Psalm 85 to the chief musician. If you don't have a Bible, I encourage you to grab one in the chairs in front of you. Don't be afraid. Don't be embarrassed. Um, we always have a slide up here. And that basically, there's 66 books in the Bible, 39 in the old. And you'll see the little cross, the white cross, that tells you roughly where you can find the book. It's so important that you, you get used to the Word of God. And you get used to a Bible. And so just go to the middle of that Bible and you're going to find the Psalms. And then turn to Psalm 85. Lord, you have been favorable to our land. You have brought back the captivity of Jacob. You have forgiven. Notice that. You have forgiven the iniquity of your people. You have covered all their sins. Selah. Pause. What do you think about that? You see, God is not a God of second chances, but of innumerable chances. In Matthew 18, we read this. Then Peter came to Jesus and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me? Notice Peter Peter makes it very personal. Not just how often does my brother sin. No, how often when my brother sins against me and I forgive him up to 70 times, seven times? Now, Peter thought he was being really spiritual here. Somebody sins against me seven times and I forgive him, God? How's that, Lord? Jesus said to him, I do not tell you up to seven times, Peter, but up to 70 
times seven, which is obviously 490. Really, Lord? Really? You see, was Jesus encouraging sin? No. He was giving his disciples a practical example of the Heavenly Father. You see, our Heavenly Father doesn't keep track of our sins. We often, I was raised in a church where I was taught he did. And I had to go to confession to make it right. Unfortunately, when you go to do that, you have, you have no memory of what you did. So now you're in the booth lying about what you did the last three months. It makes no sin whatsoever. But that's what happens when you have religion. You fall into these traps. And then that's, that codes something into your brain that God is literally keeping track of all your sins. He's not. Read your word. Read the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. He never says, sorry, you're over your forgiveness allotment. No more forgiveness for you. No. God is always willing. This is key for you and I. And if you're here today and you do not have Jesus as your Savior, and you're raised in a religion, maybe like I was, you have to decode the program. You have to debug the program. Because God is always willing to restore the human soul if the human soul is willing to repent. And that's a word we don't hear a lot of. Repent means to be sorrowful, to acknowledge I sinned, and to then turn from that sin. Not just to say, well, I'm sorry I got caught. I think everybody's sorry when they get caught. But it's actually sorry when you're not caught, but you realize that God is reaching out to you and it's time to repent and it's time to get right with him. He will always forgive you because he always loves you. You see, the people of Israel were chastened by God. And now, after the 70 years in captivity prophesied by Jeremiah, they were coming back into the land given to them by God. Now, as we read in the next verses here, 3 through 7, the psalmist now starts to ask some questions. And they are typical questions that we would ask as well under the circumstances. You have taken away all your wrath. You have turned from the fierceness of your anger. Restore us, O God of our salvation, and cause your anger towards us to cease. Will you be angry with us forever? Here's the question. Will you prolong your anger to all generations? Another question. And again, these are questions that we'll ask ourselves. But if we're in the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, we'll come to understand that God isn't angry with us. He loves us. It's so important to understand that. But yes, we can grieve the Holy Spirit. But he's just asking a question because he, the psalmist didn't have the whole counsel of God. We have the whole counsel of God, so we shouldn't even be asking these same questions. Now, we may ask them for a moment and go, what am I thinking? You're not angry with me. You love me. But if you're not in the whole word of God, you will beat yourself up over reading a verse like this. And you'll beat yourself up, and you'll beat yourself up, and you'll beat yourself up. And the enemy loves that instead of walking in who you are in Christ. Will you not revive us again that your people may rejoice in you? What's the matter with you, God? What's the problem? Show us your mercy, Lord, and grant us your salvation. You see, some of those who were carried away to Babylon were young enough at the time to remember what Solomon's temple had looked like. And now in their twilight years, as they're returning, as they're returning to Jerusalem, there is nothing left of the temple. 
nothing whatsoever. They had to rebuild the temple as well as reestablish their society as a whole. And the word revived there in verse 6, it means to have life, to preserve alive. Will you not revive us again? What do you mean? I've already done that. You're coming back to Jerusalem. Of course I've revived you. But you don't understand the scriptures. It was prophesied that if you did not repent, I would take you off the land. You did not repent, I took you off the land. I disciplined you. Now I'm bringing you back. Don't blame me. Give me praise that I'm turning it around for you. You see, this raising up of the nation of Israel is going to take time and a tremendous amount of effort. And it would only be accomplished by the next verse, in verses 8 and 9. I will hear what God the Lord will speak. You see, that oftentimes people say, well, the Bible's old. It's archaic. It's irrelevant. It's all you need to do is ask them. Do you read the Bible? Well, I, I, I read a few verses. Uh, my mom shared a few verses. Uh, it's either a yes or no question. Do you read your Bible? Well, no. Then why are you saying anything? You're not hearing. You're not hearing. Even coming and listening to me, yes, you're hearing something. My, my major encouragement to you, no matter how young or how old you are, is to read your Bible every single day. Because I'm not with you and no other pastor is going to be with you every day, every minute. So just get that out of your head. You need the Word of God in your mind so that it could sink down to your head, just like I read every day, not for you, for me. So that the Holy Spirit has something to work on down here, because this is a desperately wicked heart. And so the psalmist says, I will hear what the Lord will speak, for he will speak peace to his people and to his saints. But let them not turn back to folly. And I actually have that part of my Bible highlighted, just at at, at the verse 8 there. But let not them turn back to folly. Silliness. That word folly there is silliness. Be mature. Grow up. Don't turn back to your silliness. Surely his salvation is near to those who reverence him. Those who fear him. That glory may dwell in our land. You see, after the questions comes the realizations that I need to listen. When we're in an argument, what do we want the other person to do? Let me ask you again. When we're in an argument, what do we want the other person to do? Would you please just listen? But when you're in an argument, what are you doing? You're formulating what you're going to say and you're not listening because you know you're right. But yet they know they're right. And if we would just stop and listen to each other on a mature level, we'd probably both hear that we were wrong and I need to change and you need to change and lo and behold, we come to a resolution. We can have peace. But the enemy doesn't want you to have peace. He wants you to argue. If it's not with your mate, it's with your children. If it's not with your children, with your coworkers. If it's not with your coworkers, it's your neighbors. If it's not with your neighbors, it's with the politicians. Let's just have an argument. What's the point? What's the point? Is it going to bring peace? No, it doesn't bring peace. You see, the psalmist makes a point that God will answer. He will always answer if we are truly listening. And this is the hardest thing for me to do. It's the hardest thing for you to do. This is just reality. We have a hard time listening. We're always busy. 
We've got our phone by us all the time. We don't want to miss something really important. That little ding. Oh, I just got a ding. What's going on? Oh, they're eating a pancake at IHOP. Big whoop. Turn it off and miss the pancake at IHOP. And listen to the word of God instead. We are truly listening. And he will always bring, always, always bring an answer of peace. He will always bring an answer of peace. That doesn't mean that everything's going to be happy hunky-dory right at the very moment. I'm not saying that. That's Christian fiction and that's not true. There still, still may be sorrow. There still may be anxiousness. There still may be whatever emotions going on. But he's going to give you the peace that surpasses understanding because his Bible promises that. I don't promise that. His Bible promises that. If you read his Bible, you'll find that out in Philippians chapter 4. He gives you the peace that surpasses understanding even in the midst of chaos. You see, due to idol worship, the glory of God had departed. And that worship of idols is exactly what caused Israel to go into captivity. So let's not go back there. Let's not go back there. It always has been and it always will be silly to worship something else besides God. The word folly there, again, is silliness. It's silly to worship sports figures. Look at how they behave. It's silly to worship politicians. Look at how they behave. It's silly to worship your children. And you might think, well, I don't worship my children. Well, yeah, some of you do. They're the center of the universe and everything revolves around them. That's called worship. That's called worship. Get the kids where they belong. Outside the circus, circle, Jesus is in the circle. It's a circus sometimes. (laughs) Happened last night or this weekend at our house. But the grandkids know. We got the call. Can you help us? We're moving. Can you watch the three grandkids? Okay, bring them over. But they know when they come to Papa's house, one of them acted up one time. I said, hey, 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 hey. You know where you're at, right? You know I only say it once, right? Okay, just wanted to make that clear. And behavior was there. You see, that's what parent training is. It's child training is parent training. Just lovingly let them know the rules. You see, this is the rule book, and God lovingly lets us know what's right and what's wrong. We can disobey. Just like those stinking little grandkids. They can disobey. But there's going to be a consequence to their disobedience. Because I love them. And you love your children. You see, God's salvation is available to all of humanity. And he desires to share his glory with all of his children. And we as a nation have seen God's blessings. But he will not condone nor endorse sin. You see, the psalmist acknowledges that. And we as a nation should as well. Because verse 8 again says, are we listening? And, and it's hard to listen when we as a society are pushing the word of God out of our society. I don't know if you guys know about it or not, but there's a bill that's possibly going to be passed in California. It's a no therapy, basically, bill that anyone that's questioning their sexuality cannot have anyone go against that, cannot teach them otherwise. That even if a person wants to get help, they can't get help. That's, that's, in the, that's in the bill. Which means what for Christians in California? You can't share your Bible. You're breaking the law. Somebody comes to you and needs help, you can't open your Bible and tell them, well, God loves you just the way you are, but he doesn't want you to stay there. You're just confused, and God wants to help straighten you out. That's coming, guys. No, that'll never happen. Yeah, right. Like everything else we said would never happen. There was just a state this past week that passed medicinal marijuana, the third state in the country. 
Canada already passed a bill. The whole the whole country can have recreational marijuana. I think it's going to go into play in the first week of September. That'll never happen here. Wake up. It's already happening. Country's gone to pot. Wake up. It's reality. 10 through 13. Mercy and truth have met together. Righteousness and peace have kissed. Truth shall spring out of the earth. And righteousness shall look down from heaven. Yes, the Lord will give what is good and our land will yield its increase. Righteousness will go before him and shall make his footsteps our pathway. You know, isn't this a great combination? Again, when children do something wrong and they freely come and admit to it, what is our typical response? Mercy. That's our typical response. You see, truth and mercy will walk hand in hand and that is what God knows is known for. For truth and mercy. You see, Jesus walked in perfect truth. He was the tool used by God to extend his merciful hand to all of humanity. And his perfect righteousness, notice it comes from heaven, has brought about a perfect peace. Romans 5, 1 through 12. Look at these verses. Therefore, having been justified by faith. So again, you cannot work your way to heaven. If you're here today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, you don't have a relationship with God because you're trying to be good enough to be good enough to be good enough to get to heaven, you ain't going to make it. You can never be good enough. It's only by faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Maybe you're looking for peace this morning and your religion hasn't gotten it for you. It's not going to get it for you because it only comes through knowing Jesus personally through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 2. Get your Bibles and let's look at Ephesians chapter 2. So again, if you're here this morning as you're turning there and, and you don't have peace, I just want you to know God loves you and God desires a relationship with you. He's not mad at you. He loves you. But you have a free will. You can choose to accept his son or you can choose to reject his son. And in these verses here, Ephesians chapter 2, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Please notice that. Not by your good works. You've been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace. Notice that. Jesus brings us peace. Who has made us both one and broken down the middle wall of separation, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, that is the law of commandments, contained in ordinances, so as to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, thereby putting to death the enmity. And he came, Jesus came, and preached peace to you who were afar off and to those who were near. That was the Lord's mission. John 3.16. John 3.17, most people don't have memorized, but Jesus said, I did not come into the world to condemn the world. Religion condemns. Jesus brings peace. Which would you have? And so as we go out into a religious environment, we need to keep these small little verses in our minds. 
Because this world is very, very religious. I mean, there's no question about that. Very, very religious. I don't know if you guys saw it on the news. The, the, the soccer, uh, the, young adult, the high schoolers that are trapped in a cave in the Philippines. Or, or is it Thailand? Thailand. They haven't found them yet. And it was on the news. And they had a monk. And all of a sudden, everybody's taking pictures. And everybody's bowing. And everybody's going crazy because the monk's coming to say a special prayer that they can find these children alive. People are very, very religious, especially in a time of trouble. God's not looking for religious. God's looking for relationship. And he's looking to have, allow you to have the peace that surpasses understanding. Colossians 1.19 says, For it pleased the Father that in him, and the him here is Jesus, all the fullness should dwell, and do him, by him to reconcile all things, guys. Jesus has reconciled you already. I know I've asked you this question many times, but is everyone on this earth forgiven? Is everyone on this earth forgiven? It's not a trick question, but you do have to think about it. You know, Hitler was forgiven. Stalin was forgiven. Oh, no, no. They were forgiven. Did they appropriate that forgiveness? No. They didn't ask Jesus to be their savior. So they didn't appropriate. They didn't, they didn't accept that forgiveness. But if they would have, we would have said, no way. God would have said, my way. And yes, they are now going to heaven. That's just unfathomable for us. That's not right. That's not fair. Well, blame God for sending someone to heaven instead of hell for all eternity. It's a really good deal. And by him to reconcile all things to himself, by him whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross. And that's what we celebrated this morning. Communion. Peace. You see, in many cultures, as we look at this, Righteousness and peace have kissed. A kiss on the cheek is a sign or a symbol of peace. And what God has done through his one and only son, Jesus, is to symbolically reach down and give us a kiss of peace. And what a greeting that is and what a greeting it's going to be in eternity. You know, when Pat stepped into heaven, she had no regrets for accepting Jesus as her Savior. What was it, about five years ago she received Jesus? Five or six, and how old is she? Seventy-seven. So maybe you're in your 70s and you haven't received Jesus yet. Today would be a good day to do it. Pat did it at 72. When she took her last breath on this earth, she took her first breath in heaven. Because she was a good lady? No. Because she had the peace of God. She had the blood of Jesus Christ covering her. It's amazing what God does for you and for me. You see, the psalmist looks at their new endeavor and says that it's the truth that must come forth. Notice, mercy and truth. The Lord will meet them and they, where they're at and bless them with what they need because his righteousness goes before him. And we would do best as a nation when we followed in his footsteps. But as a nation, I just think, I mean, this is not big news for any of you. We are way off his righteous path. So let's forget the nation and bring it down to you, bring it down to me. But hopefully that's not true of us individually. Are you on the right path this morning? As maybe being in the Lord for 40, 50 years, are you still on the right path? You see, unfortunately, our nation has not learned from the Bible what takes place when a nation leaves the principles laid out in his word. We may cry out for mercy as a nation, but just as Israel did, we will receive judgment because we as a nation have cast off truth and are seeking after our own desires, whatever those desires might be. 
Psalm 86, a prayer of David. So now we go back roughly 500 years to the time of King David. And we're not sure when David wrote this, but it is filled with wonderful truths. In verse 1 through 5, Bow down your ear, O Lord, hear me, for I am poor and needy. Isn't this awesome? A picture of someone who is praying to God. And David just pours out his heart, gives us that example. Preserve my life, for I am holy. You are my God. Notice that personal. Save your servant who trusts in you. Be merciful to me, O Lord, for I cry to you all day long. Rejoice the soul of your servant, for to you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. For you, Lord, are good and ready to forgive and abundant in mercy to all those who call upon you. You see, David acknowledges his frailty here, poor and needy. He trusts wholeheartedly upon God. He knows that he stands in the righteousness of God because of God and not because of his own abilities. He is in trouble, as we'll see in just a few verses, but he still trusts in the mercies of God. Why? Because God is always ready to forgive. Always. And isn't that great? No matter where we find ourselves, no matter what the situation is, God is always ready to forgive. And just as the previous psalm pointed out, it is God's mercies that we need. In verses 6 and 7, Give ear, O Lord, to my prayer, and attend to the voice of my supplications. In the day of my trouble, I will call upon you, for you might answer me. Did your Bible say that? You might answer me. What does your Bible say? You will answer me. You see, David had confidence because of a personal relationship. Not because of what the pastor said. No, because I have a personal relationship. And the pastor confirms what I'm doing and affirms what I'm doing is right. So I'm going to keep going on to that. And we do need one another. And we need pastors. We need deacons and elders. We need the church. But it has to always go back to personal relationship. Because David knew that God would answer. So it was God to whom David would turn to. And knowing that God would answer took having a personal relationship with him. And it takes time to develop that kind of relationship. And we know from the scriptures that David took that time. And so my question to you and to me is, can we say the same as David here? Are you taking time? Am I taking time, committing time to develop a personal relationship with the Heavenly Father? Are you doing that? Am I doing that? It is vital. Because in verse 8 here we read, Among the gods there is none like you, nor are there any works like your works. All nations whom you made shall come and worship before you, O Lord, and shall glorify your name. For you are great and do wondrous things. You alone are God. You know, there's always been many gods among the people. David knew, though, no matter how many gods people might think that there are, there's only one God who has created all things. And David speaks prophetically here by making mention that all the nations will one day come and worship the Lord during the millennial reign of Christ. They will lift up the name of God by glorifying His Son. And it will be at this time that all the nations will acknowledge that there is only one God. They will not be concerned about being politically, politically correct, as so many people are nowadays. For there will be only one King and one Lord, and His name will be Jesus. Praise God. 
verses 11 through 13. Teach me your way, O Lord. And again, I have these three verses highlighted in my Bible. Again, notice the personal application. Teach me your way, O Lord. I will walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. I will praise you, O Lord my God, with all my heart. With all my heart. With all my heart, guys. Again, this is hard for us to do because we're so consumed with so many other things. But guys, we need to praise God with all of our heart. We'll go after so many other things with all of our hearts. Whether it's a career or a hobby or money or whatever. We'll do it with all of our heart. And when we come to the Lord, it's half-hearted at best. Now give God your whole heart. And I will glorify your name forevermore. For all of eternity. For great is your mercy towards me. And you have delivered my soul from the depths of Sheol or from the depths of hell. You see, David's relationship went deep. He wanted God to teach him so that he might walk in the truth. Notice that in verse 11. Teach me your way, O Lord. I will walk in your truth. You see, John shared this in his third letter. In 3 John verse, uh, chapter 1, verses 3 and 4, it says, For I rejoice greatly. When the brethren came and testified of the truth that is in you. Notice this testimony right here, guys. Just as you walk in the truth. So John was concerned, just like any pastor would be. And John sent someone over to see them. And that person came back and said, John, John, they're staying in the Bible. They love the word of God. They're walking in the truth. And John's heart just leapt. He says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. And I know that all of us can identify with this if we have little children or grandchildren. There's no greater joy than to see your children walk in truth. Did you just steal that? Yes, I did. Oh, thank you for telling the truth. You're going to get mercy because you just told the truth. And you're going to get a lesson on, on why you shouldn't steal. And if you already know you shouldn't steal, I'm just going to reinforce that. But you're going to get mercy because you you told the truth. There's no greater joy, guys, for you and I and for for the Lord himself. Oh, God, the proud have risen against me and a mob of violent men have sought my life and have not set you before them. You see, when God is not the center of a person's life, what's happening in the world today shouldn't surprise us. Violence will often be the result. You see, pride wells up And there is no fear of authority, no fear of consequences, and no healthy fear of Almighty God. And that's what's happening in our society as a whole today. Here we see that there was a group of people who had come against David, and David wanted to see them, to see God's hand of protection upon his life. And you know, guys, it's a great lesson for us as believers as we see persecution on the rise around the world against true believers. Verses 15 and 16. But you, O Lord, are God full of compassion and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in mercy and truth. O turn to me and have mercy on me. Give your strength to your servant and save the son of your maidservant. Show me a sign for good that those who hate me may see it and be ashamed. Because you, Lord, have helped me and comforted me. 
You know, David shares great attributes here. Compassion, grace, long-suffering, mercy, truth. And David's relationship with God had allowed him to see these various attributes in action. You see, he is writing from first-hand experience, guys. He's not about the perspective of someone else or the opinion of someone else. It's first-hand experience. And again, a couple simple questions. Are we able to say the same? Are we able to say the same? Because you, Lord, have helped me and comforted me. Are we literally able to do that? Or are we referencing what someone else has said about our God? You see, these attributes are just a few that God desires to share freely with us. But we need to be personally engaged in order that we might learn through God's word about these attributes. You see, God desires men and women of the faith to mature in the faith. He is looking for those who have a desire He is looking for those who have a desire to experience firsthand his holy attributes. Think about that. He is looking for those who have a desire to experience firsthand his holy attributes. Now you might think, well, how is that possible? Does the Bible tell us how? Well, let's look at 2 Peter chapter 1. Let's look at 2 Peter chapter 1 as the music team comes up. 2 Peter chapter 1 verses 1 through 11. Again, please grab a Bible and follow along. The Holy Spirit is trying to reach you if you do not know God, if you do not know Jesus. Now again, you might think, well, I know God and I know Jesus. You know their names. But if you were to die right now, let me just ask you this quick question as you're going to Second Peter. If you were to die right now, would you go to heaven? If you hesitate, if you go, well, I, I, I hope so. <clears throat> Wrong answer. You're not going to heaven and 110 is not hot. Hell is way hotter. Second Peter 1. Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained like precious faith with us by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord as His divine power. What is His divine power? Who is His divine power? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. So we don't have to guess. The Holy Spirit, as His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness, through the knowledge of Him who called us by glory and virtue, by which we have been given to us exceeding great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature. Notice this, guys, for you and me as believers. God wants us to partake of his attributes. He gives us his Holy Spirit who dwells within us. And as all we have to do is surrender. Oh, that's it? Yeah, is that easy? It's not easy. Having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. But also for this very reason, giving all diligence. Notice this here. Add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control. Now, this is a fantastic list. And don't confuse this. Because, again, you might be going back into religion. Well, if I just do all these things, then I'll get to go to heaven. Salvation's off the table. If you receive Jesus as your Savior, salvation's off the table. You're saved. Now it's time to grow up. Now it's time to be more like Jesus. Well, how do I be more like Jesus? By adding these things. 
to, to knowledge, self-control, to self-control, perseverance, to perseverance, godliness, to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. Verse 8, for if these things are yours and abound. Notice, this is not salvation. This is sanctification. If you don't have peace in your life, it's most likely because these things, these heavenly attributes, you're not seeking after them and they're not abounding in your life. You're concerned, consumed with who's the president. You're consumed with conspiracy theories. You're consumed with your career or your hobby or whatever it is you've allowed yourself to be consumed with and you don't have the peace of God. But you can have the peace of God, but you and I have to do something. You will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And guys, the church is barren these days. The big C. The big C. When you see what's happening under the banner of Christianity in America, the church is barren. We are not. And there are other churches in our community that are not because we're in the Bible. And we believe the Bible. We're going to stick with the Bible. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old old sins. Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. For so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Guys, as we stay focused on the Lord, the Holy Spirit's going to keep us strong and focused. Yes, we're going to sin. That's not the point here. The point here is we're not going to lose our testimony. See, the enemy can't take our salvation, but he can try to ruin my testimony and he can try to ruin your testimony with your coworkers, with your neighbors, with your family members. So you have to be aware, and you and I, we have to invest time in seeking after godly attributes. How can I be more like Jesus? By being in the Word of God and allowing the Holy Spirit to cause you to realize, I need to surrender this area this week as you're doing your daily devotion. Oh, man, Lord, I didn't know that was in my heart. God, give me strength to surrender that to you right now. I don't want that in my life, but I do it. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. When you acknowledge, when you repent, when I acknowledge, when I repent, and when I turn and ask for the Holy Spirit, more of the Holy Spirit, is God going to give me more of the Holy Spirit? Absolutely, according to his word. Am I going to be able to forsake that thing, that sin? Absolutely, according to the word of God, I will be able to. Not by me, but by the Holy Spirit that dwells within me. Be at peace with God. Father, we thank you and praise you for this morning. And Lord, we thank you for being so good to us in so many ways. And we know that salvation is is a free gift. And as we read these verses, and as we study your word, we, we know, or at least we should know, that we're not trying to work for our salvation. But just like we have to work to get the promotion, just like we have to be diligent to get the raise, you're calling us to be diligent in our Christian walk. Not to be lazy, not to be lethargic, lackadaisical, whimsical, but to actually dive into the word from Genesis to Revelation. To establish a study time, a devotional time. 
to learn about these heavenly attributes that you freely desire to give to us if we're willing to ask. So help us as believers, Lord, this morning to spend time this week asking for more of those attributes to be alive and well in our lives. That others around us would see love and grace and mercy and comfort and compassion and justice. That others would see these tangible attributes. And we'd be able to just say, it's, it's not me, it's the Holy Spirit in me. My God is sharing his attributes with me. You know, as the saints are praying, maybe you're with us this morning and and you don't know Jesus as your Savior. You know of Jesus, you've heard his name, and, and maybe you've even used it in a cuss situation. God loves you. And if you would like to receive Jesus this morning, I'm going to pray a simple prayer. And if you pray this simple prayer, and if you are sincere... God knows that. And he will welcome you into his kingdom. And you will become his son. You will become his daughter. God has no stepchildren. God has no grandchildren. God only has children. And if you know right now that if you were to die, if you were to take your last breath, and if you are uncertain about heaven, then this prayer is for you. And I encourage you to pray it. You have free will. You can reject it. But I would encourage you to pray it. Because no one knows when our time's up on this earth. So if you'd like to pray this prayer, just repeat after me. God, I need a Savior. I can't save myself. I always fall short. I'm weak. I'm frail. I sin. But God, I repent right now. And I turn to you. And I surrender. I don't want to play church, I don't want to be religious. I desire a relationship. And so God, I I ask Jesus to be my Savior. I ask your Holy Spirit to come and dwell within me. I don't know what this means, but I'm going to pray it. Because I'm going to trust in you. That you're going to teach me. You're going to show me what the true Christian faith is all about. God, I I thank you for accepting me right now. And that through your son's precious blood, you now see me and accept me as your daughter, as your son. And I say thank you, God. Thank you for accepting me. 
And God, I say thank you that I can now call you Father. My Father. Thank you for loving me so much. Help me to love you in return. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, we thank you for this morning. Lord, we do thank you as we remember the 4th of July and all those who have gone before us, Lord, and who are even willing to sacrifice their lives currently. We we pray for those who are serving our country, Lord, in that capacity. And we do ask your blessing upon them. We don't take it for granted, the freedoms that we have. We thank you, Father. And we do ask your blessing upon the chaplains and, and every Bible-believing Christian in the military. Lord, that you would use them for your glory that they would share the gospel with those around them. For we know not everyone is coming back alive. So Lord, it's our prayer with thankful hearts that these men and women would see, wouldn't come to know Jesus before they leave this earth. So bless, Lord. Fathers, we go out into our mission field. Help us to be strong and courageous and to seek after your word, and just to be that good testimony that people need to see in this crazy, wicked world. We thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Why don't we all stand, guys, sing a closing song. God bless you guys. Thanks for coming out. Have a blessed day, a blessed week. If you'd like to come out and help us on Wednesday, uh, we'll be here at 5 o'clock. God bless you guys. Have a great week. If you need prayer, if you receive Jesus, please come up. We would love to pray for you. God bless you guys. Then sings my soul Then sings my soul My Savior God to Thee How great Thou art How great my soul my Savior God to Thee how great Thou art how great Thou art then sings my soul then sings my soul, my Savior God to Thee. How great Thou art! How great Thou art! Then sings my soul. Thou art.